Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1222 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you so much for joining us, as always, on the podcast. And please subscribe to the show on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Today's episode will be myself and Tyler Jones, old friend, good friend of the podcast. It's been a little while since he's been on the show. Excited about that. But first, at the top here, a couple of news and notes to touch on before we turn it over to the intro and to Tyler. The injury report came out for game two between the Hawks and the Heat. No huge surprises. John Collins not listed at all. That's a positive for the Hawks. We'll see how many minutes he can play and whether he starts in game two on Tuesday, but he is back and uh, seemingly definitely locked in on some level for game two. Click Capella is out for the Hawks. Luke Williams is out for the Hawks. Mike Donovan says probable with ankle soreness. I expect him to play, obviously, at this point in time as a period of uh, record-keeping of sorts. Bam Adebayo is listed as questionable with a quad contusion for the Heat. I assume he will play. We will see if that uh, limits him in some way because, of course, Bam is very important to Miami overall. Our friends at Bet Online make the Hawks a solid underdog in this game on Monday uh, – sorry, on Tuesday evening. Not a huge surprise, but uh, certainly worth noting at this point in time. And uh, we will see how the Hawks fare, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast. And by the way, that's still very relevant. You missed Sunday's show, the recap of game one with all of my uh, analysis and context for the opener. The Hawks should play better in game two. We'll see if that's enough for them to overcome, but certainly a bounce back spot and some urgency to not go down to nothing down in Miami. Final piece of news for turn, turn it over to myself and Tyler is that the NBA announced the, the tiebreakers for the NBA draft on Monday. No surprises for the Hawks and none of them actually involve the Hawks, but as a point of clarity, the Hawks officially will have two picks in the NBA draft coming up in June. Number 16 overall, number 44 overall are, the, are those selections. The uh, Just for record-keeping record sake, the Hornets pick via the Knicks is not going to be coming this year. It'll be delayed. It's going to be top 16 protected next year and then lottery protected for two years after that. So if you're worried about that pick, uh, worry for another year at least. It's not coming this year, and the Hawks will be locked in, number 16 and number 44 overall. Okay, with all of that out of the way, we'll get to the intro. And uh, after that, you'll hear myself and Tower Jones talking about the Hawks, the Heat, the series overall, and leading up to Game 2. Here we go. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am joined now by good friend of the podcast. It's been quite a while since this person's been on the show, but uh, always a fan favorite. People always asking when you'll be coming back, and I'm joined by Tower Jones. Hello, sir. What's going on, Brad? Glad to be back. Uh, glad, glad some good. Uh, the playoffs are back, you know. So now, now you know. I I know that the Hawks are going to play their best basketball, their hardest. Um, Game one, notwithstanding, but compared <laughs> to the regular season where, you know, their effort was definitely a question uh, considering how well they played to end the year. Um, but, yeah, it's glad to be back on, Brett. Yeah, I was uh, trying not to bug you too much. It's been longer than usual between appearances. People always ask when you're coming back. And uh, I got the feeling that you were kind of just uh, ejecting at the end of the regular season in the way that you're allowed to do as a fan. I'm not really allowed to do that. You you can just come in, come in, come in and come out. Uh, for people that don't know this, people might be listening now during the playoffs. Tyler is a Hawks fan uh, and is certainly uh, more more of a fan at this point than I am. Uh, it's just uh, an interesting perspective. And I, we always have fun talking. And uh, honestly, I, I can tell people right now that uh, you watch more Hawks basketball than most people in the world. So uh, excited to talk to you about what's going on here in the Hawks and 
where they stand, obviously, game one was not the finest hour. Uh, it's sort of a schedule loss in some ways. I guess I'll, let's just start there. Did you think it was going to go poorly in game one beforehand, or was that a surprise to you? Well, when I, I think you could pretty much tell early in the first quarter when Trey couldn't get by anybody. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't get really any dribble penetration. It was a lot of side to side action. Uh, that it was probably going to be a long night. And then the heat, then like Duncan Robinson was just throwing it in the ocean. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. this is going to be a rough one. Listen, it's one game. That's the thing. Like, I, I tried yeah. to convey this a little bit in game one. Like, not that you're going to be into this as much as I would be, but like, for instance, like the betting market, like, really moved a lot toward Miami. And granted, they won the game, but like, I was uh, not shocked by it, but like I, I don't really feel differently about the series than I did before game one. Obviously, the loss matters, but the way they lost doesn't really trouble me too much. There are some questions about like how they're going to beat switching defenses, especially if Trey's not like just out of his mind because that's their only that's their number one thing they could possibly do. But I don't think that game one just like made me feel dire about the series. They were already underdogs coming in for a reason, but like. Did you did your opinion change on the series or was it just like a one off for you? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a one off. And I, my, my opinion doesn't change. I my thought going into this series feels a lot like how it was with the Sixers last year, where I think they, they have a good chance to win. But I, I don't feel confident that they're going to win compared to how I thought about the Knicks series. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If we can put it like that, like I feel like the Heat are clearly a good basketball team. It's going to take the Hawks playing good basketball to beat them, um, and they certainly weren't doing it uh, last night or last afternoon. They played at like one o'clock. Yeah. Which, Speaking of which, the, uh, the the quick turnaround did not make it any easier. I, I kind of warned people about that, and like we saw a little bit of that uh, in other series too. But the Hawks had the worst of all schedules in the entire 16-team tournament having to play Friday night on the road and then play Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock in Miami. Uh, that was a yeah, tough Yeah, and, and beyond that, that, that Friday night was very, a very emotional, hard-fought. They had to come back. Yeah. Performance where Trey Young had to play possibly the best basketball of his career uh, or some of the best basketball of his career just to, like, get them over the top to beat the, to beat the Cavaliers who are who – are, you know, with Jared Allen back, we're at least good defensively. Um, yeah. And so, like, it just – you could see it. Uh, you you know, you could probably – you would think mm, they're probably not going to come out there guns blazing like they were last year in game ones where they would just catch these teams by surprise and smoke them. Um, they're going to have to – you know, this team's well-disciplined. They're not going to make mistakes like other teams. They're not young. They're veteran-laden. So it's going to require the Hawks to execute, and they just weren't doing it uh, in game one. Yeah, so I want to start by talking about the offense because clearly if the Hawks win this series or you're even competitive in the series, they're going to have to be good on offense because the defense is what it is, and we'll come back to that later on. But uh, obviously we saw what Miami's plan was in game one. They kind of flummoxed Trey. Trey was kind of out of it. They were switching, and that is – uh, if you're going to see something that's concerning about this series, in my opinion, and from game one, it's the fact that the Hawks offense did not look like it had many answers. Now Miami's defense is quite good when they want it to be, when they're not playing Robinson in particular and hero in particular, like their starting five is really good defensively. And I think that we saw that a little bit. Uh, I think with Collins coming back, 
more hopefully in game two no word on that as we record this but he'll be playing i assume and maybe playing more than he was in game one that's maybe an answer but what do you think they can do differently on offense because if it's just the same honestly they shouldn't be they, they won't be this bad they shot the ball terribly all that stuff but like there also wasn't a lot of like easy shot making either well full stop um uh, the loss of capella uh really hurt them because you know if they were going to switch Capella could hurt them on the offensive glass, and Akong was just not that level of offense rebounder. Yep. The adjustment, the easy adjustment the Hawks can make to me is start Collins. Like, I mean, if he's healthy and he's ready to go, and he looked good physically. Um, Do you want to start him like, with Akongwu or at center? Yeah, I would. I would start him alongside Akongwu and try to match the Heat's most athletic physical lineup with athleticism and physicality in turn. I don't like Gallinari on the floor with Kyle Lowry at the same time. Um, so that's maybe something uh, Nate may want to manage that somehow. But, um, I, 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 you know, it's, it's debatable because Collins actually looked pretty good at center. Um well, and, and, and like, because they don't have another center, another, another center option. Was, they, they can play Gorgie if they want to, but, like, I think Nate clearly decided they want to have 48 minutes of either Akongwu and Collins. They can still do that if they start and they, Yeah, just, they just got to stagger. But, yeah. and, like, maybe have Akongwu come off the bench uh, or come to the, you know, Gallinari be the first guy off the bench and have Collins at center and then really, really crank it up on offense. Um, and, It's early. I, I guess I need to get the DeAndre Hunter discussion Uh-oh. out there real quick. I wasn't going to tee you up, but I knew it was coming at some point, so that's okay. I found him offensively. Like, he was just – he's just – he's just got to be quicker with his decision-making. Um, and he has to play – if he's going to be on this starting lineup and they're switching, he's got to play with more force, and he has to finish shots. And there's like – because like what we're losing with not starting bogey is we're losing another ball handler ball handler slash creator that can make the right read, which DeAndre Hunt like DeAndre Hunt is just not gonna be able to make the pass. That's gonna be the switch. Trey Young and Kevin Herter are the only two guys who can I will say I did like what John Collins was doing in the short role. Um and like he I thought when he came into the game, he he uh brought he brought an element that the Hawks were severely lacking, which was simply being able to put the ball on the floor, collapse the defense, and then kick the ball out. Yep. That's not something these guys – like, that's just not a lot of these guys' game. And even though Collins has a limited handle, he's such a threat that guys respect him. Like, they – you know, players respect his ability to finish at the rim. So that, that causes – combined with the athleticism, like, that just – he has a level of gravity that nobody else on this team has, with especially with Capella out. Um, and you know, another thing, Akonwu's just got to be more of a force on offense. But I, I feel like that would it would benefit him if he got to play alongside Collins, and you know, the Hawks get to play you know two athletic guys at the same time. Uh, a novel concept, I know, but like it would be nice if Nate would play Collins with either, you know play Collins alongside Okonkwu or alongside Gallinari instead of literally nobody. And then, you know, those, I mean, those are at this moment, like those three guys are three, what your five best, um, you know, relative 
uh, especially with Capella out, like they, I mean, Nate's going to need all three of them because I don't want to see De- like DeAndre Hunter at the four. It's it's just tough, man. It's just tough. Like it's. I I know why they're it, doing it because of lack of options, but like. Yeah, yes. but like you watch Hunter, and, and I, I think the issue is he's just not on the level as the other guys. Am I like I just don't think he's on par with the rest of the like he's not on par with what Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich are doing, and it's noticeable. And the Heat are taking advantage, took advantage. I felt like in game one where they, they really took advantage of his lack of creation. Um, so they, they need more from him. Like he's got to be more of a force physically on both ends of the floor, but that's something I've been saying. We've been saying about Hunter all year, but he's got to play better. Trey Young, of course has to play better. I'm not, but I'm not worried about Trey Young. He, he always figures stuff out. Um, I'm the switching. They got to hope John Collins has still has some touch with that right hand uh, on the switches that he can punish on post-ups. I'm, if there's one thing I am concerned about, I didn't like the look of his, uh, it felt like he was very, uh, meticulous with his jump shot. Uh, if that makes sense. Like I, like I think feel like he's searching for his touch a bit. I mean, he still got it, but it's not what it, what it is with the broken finger or whatever. Yeah, it's, the, so. it's, it's the shooting hand finger. That's obviously going to hold him. And that was one of the questions they had about him overall was like, can he even be a shooting threat? He made the, I think he made it. I think he made a three and looked okay. It's just that he's not going to be his normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be, he's not going to be, you know, firing. We'll have more with myself and Tyler in a moment, but first some sponsors on today's show. And the first of which is prize picks, NBA fans. If you're looking for a daily fantasy option this year, you can check out the award winning app at prize picks. Prize picks and daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And I know that you will too. It's so easy to use. All you do is pick two to five players and overrun their projections and went up to 10 times on any entry. Just you against the projected numbers, which makes it very, very easy to check out and also to evaluate your, uh, Entry as it goes. An entire entry can be just a minute or less, and they're also safe at prize picks. They offer fast withdrawals. They have props on everything you can think of, including points, rebounds, assists, and even steals. They have mixed sports stuff as well. If you like MMA or soccer or baseball, etc., pair it all together. Use those skills to your advantage. And for a limited time, prize picks is an exclusive offer for all of our users. It's a no-brainer and fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores even a single point. If you use the promo code NBA, that's right. Exclusive offer for our locked on fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA. Fifty dollars for free on a player if they're in the first entry if they score even a single point. So basically, it's impossible or at least close to it to not win on your first entry if you use that promo code NBA. Check it all out today at Prize Picks. Baseball is in full swing now, and of course, as the playoffs are around in the NBA, Hawks fans keenly aware of that at the moment, but also a jam-packed slate of games each and every night, including when the Hawks are not playing over the next couple of months. And with that in mind, BetOnline is the number one source for all of your sports needs and your betting information this year. They have the latest odds, contests, futures, player props, exotics, and much more. And BetOnline also has the latest developments in sports, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season, not just basketball or baseball either. They have everything that you want in the wagering space, including live betting and favorite casino games, and they have other sports as well, really the full gamut of sports when it comes to golf, Tennis, esports, auto racing, horse racing, they have boxing, MMA, hockey, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and much more. And future stuff is always available both in baseball, the season stuff just getting underway now, and also football is always lurking, as well as the Easter Conference Finals bets and NBA Finals bets if you want to look way in the future in the NBA market. Head to the website right now, betaline.net, on computer and mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action across the sports world. One more time, check it out at betaline.net, betaline, where the game starts. 
So before the break, we were talking about like Collins and his ability to shoot. And I really think that he's almost more valuable as like a slip guy. Like you talked about a short roll passing, but it, this is where you miss Capella too. In that one of the ways you beat switches is having guys who know how to not screen, like how, how to slip and get to the rim. And Collins is great at that. And Kong was not quite there. Um, you also brought up the fact that, you know, Gallo isn't necessarily the greatest fit in certain ways with Kyle Lowry. I am worried as we sort of talked about the defense a little bit too, I don't know where Gallo is supposed to go on defense in general in this series. Like maybe when Tucker's on the floor, he can guard Tucker, which is what they tried to do in game one. But uh, for as good as he was, or at least as decent as he was on offense in game one, he was as bad on defense. Like I think he was probably even worse than Trey on defense in game one. Like he just can't be on the floor sometimes. So the options are not great there. I mean, I wonder, um, I guess the, it'd be kind of cured if Collins could play 30, 30 minutes, but I don't know if he can. So uh, what happens if Collins can't play 30 minutes, I guess is the better question. Well, they're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed, uh, I guess. Yeah. No, no, he's not a young man anymore, and so I don't – He played I don't know. 41 minutes against Cleveland. 41. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe Gallo can play better defensively if he gets a little, you know, if he's a bit uh, – has more spring in his step. Like, I, For there, sure. there, may be, there may be something with that. I, I was like, Gallo played 41? Because I noticed that in the um, in the box score for the Cavs game. It's like, oh, he might be in trouble because – like yeah. that's just he's just not that level of athlete anymore where he can do that. So it is and they, possible. Had, they had to do it because they didn't have Collins. Like I, I get why they did it, but now yeah. that you have a guy in Collins who can play both spots, it does make it a little bit easier. But I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but like they 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 kind of need Gallo's offense in this series because he actually can beat switches because he's actually enormous and shoots over guys. And we saw that a little bit in game one. It shouldn't be your primary offense, but uh, it does. It is a weapon they could certainly use on offense. I mean, they're going to need them. Need them, and they're just going to have to figure out a scheme that that'll work um, defensively against this Heat team. My my thing, my thing with defending the Heat is they have to put pressure on Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler as ball handlers. They're the only two guys with it, you know, with that creation ability on this Heat team. Tyler Hero can create for himself, but um, for others, it's a bit questionable. Um, and not questionable. It's just like it. He's just he's not the natural playmaker that those two guys are. Yeah, he's a, uh, he, he's, a, he's a scorer. I mean, hero yeah, is yeah. Uh, not my favorite guy in the world anyway. But like he he can get his own for sure. And but he's looking to score. He's not looking to pass generally. Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are looking to break the defense down, get the heat in offense, and get those corner threes that they're they're great at making. So um, it's imperative that um, like DeAndre Hunter can't play back. On Jimmy Butler, like he's got to be in his grill. He's got to be forcing Jimmy Butler back, forcing him to make decisions with the ball. Um, because he, like, you can't just let Jimmy initiate the offense uh, all willy nilly, and it be, uh, and it be easy for the Heat to get these guys off these screens, off these pin downs for open three pointers. Like, uh, they they got to be point of attack defense. We said it all year hasn't been the best, but I, I yeah. found it to be really good. Um, these last couple games, um, particularly Kevin Herter, Dylan Wright, um, those two guys have been really impressive as um, putting pressure on the ball. And even TLC, I liked what TLC brought um, when he came in for a limited amount of minutes uh, in game one, just pu- putting pressure on making them make, have to make decisions because the Miami Heat will turn the ball over if you do that. Yep. Uh, but like game one, like they just, they just weren't, they didn't have it. Like I, there's no other way to say it. Like they did, physically, I don't think they had it to do that, and they couldn't match the Heat's uh, level of intensity and physicality. 
Um, so they're going to have to do, like they're, they're going to have to do that if they want to get some stops against the Heat, which they can do. The Miami Heat, while they do have a good offense, it's not like they're they have all these elite shot makers. Um, you can pressure them, you can cause them making uh, turn the ball over, but you have to play with force and physicality. So hopefully they can do that uh, in game two. Yeah, and I think it all feeds on itself too. Like, you know, the Hawks have been awesome all year at taking care of the ball on offense, and they didn't really do that in game one. And that lets Miami get, get in transition. The Heat's half-court offense is just okay. It's not fantastic. Now, they're obviously really good at three-point shooting, but they don't have this, you know, they don't have that singular, like, dominant guy. You know, Jimmy and Kyle are good players, obviously, but they're not Trey Young, like, dominating the offense. They don't have that. They're kind of – they actually run their system. They run, they run this stuff off ball like you talked about. And uh, if the Hawks can take care of the ball and get back on defense uh, and set themselves – and that's easier to do that when you actually make your own shots. And that's something Nate talks about a lot, which I think is kind of overstated sometimes, but offense does fuel your defense. Like if you just can't make a shot and you're getting, and you're having to get back every time and bust it after every miss, it can wear you down in a big way too. So, yeah. And, and to be fair to them, like they were getting open looks. They just weren't making, I mean, yeah, I these mean, are the, good the Hawks should have made like, more shots than they made. The Hawks good shooter. Like this is a good shooting. This is a great shooting basketball team. Full stop with a bunch of guys who can make shots with with a hand in their face and without. So you expect they're going to shoot a lot better than what they did in game one, where they 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 nobody could make any shots. And it really when that happens, that puts pressure on these guys to get to the rim. But like, you know, if they're switching everything, you can't just you can't use the pick and roll. So you got to be the guy in isolation. But isolation takes, you know, that takes effort. Uh, and Not that's energy to do. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's the thing about Trey in this series. Like, not that, you know, Trey's in the best shape of anybody that you're going to find. But, like, it's really hard to have to go against the switch and create an ISO every possession. And that's what their heater trying to make him do in this series. And it's, He's, you know. Some enough. stuff, I think also they might want to have Kevin Hurd to bring the ball up the floor and initiate the offense. Um, they started doing a little bit more yeah. uh, once Trey kind of wore down a little bit. I think Nate would recognize that and try to get uh, Bogey and Herder on and even DeLon on the ball a little bit. But he, um, more of that the Hawks probably. may want yeah. to start the game with that. Maybe bring Dillon right in early as well uh, for Hunter. Again, like, I, I, I hate to <laughs> keep bringing this man's name up. But, like, this is the, like, if you want to know what the issue with the basketball team is, like, even throughout the season, is that their small forward position is just not good enough. So, they we have to do all these, we got to play three guard lineups. Like, and Nate's going to have to accept that, play these three guard lineups to get the necessary ball creation that they need because they can't have Trey Young. We can't have Trey Young what what the Heat did and get away with what they were doing in game one, which was just wearing him out. And like, well, yeah, they're, they're, you're drawing dead at that point. Obviously, Trey's going to be better than he was in game one. No one's saying otherwise, but like, you got to make his life a little bit easier, especially because you're going to ask him to at least try on defense more than he ever does in this series. So the workload on him is just going to be enormous and he's not going to rest a lot. Obviously, he didn't, the one bright spot maybe in game one is that Trey didn't have to play a lot of minutes because they were getting killed. Um, so maybe he'll be fresh on Tuesday, but like, he's going to have to have some help around there. And we, and you and I talk about this all the time. Their best lineup includes Trey, Kevin Herter, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. We, we kind of know Absolutely. that. We've talked about it for a long time. But it's those three guys, for sure, playing together. And um, we'll see what they do uh, around them. But that's their best lineup. And um, they need to play actually play – because that's – I mean, Nate couldn't get to that lineup. Um, he just couldn't get to those three guys on the floor at the same time uh, in game one. I think Herter no, got and, into and, foul trouble. 
Right. Oh. Herder foul trouble. I mean, you can't afford foul trouble. And also, like we talked about this even in the Cleveland game a little bit uh, offline, I think you and I did. Uh, I mean, Miami doesn't play super big either. Like if they're not playing Tucker or even if they are playing Tucker, it's not a huge offensive threat. The Hawks can play those three guys and DeLon Wright if they have to. Like, that's yep. really small. I get that. But like against the Heat who are playing Jimmy Butler at the four, it's not as small as you might think it is. More important that the that the Heat aren't big. They're also not that athletic outside of like Bam out of bio. Bam. Like there's yeah, not a Bam's super athletic great athlete. They have. Yeah, they have they have skill guys, and Jimmy's physical as all get out and plays physically. But Kyle Lowry is old. He's crafty and physical, and maybe even dirty sometimes. Um, but like Hero and Robinson and Struess and uh, Gabe Vincent are like they're not great athletes. Like they're just like you know they're skill guys. Bam is a freak. Obviously, that matters. But even Tucker just plays with physicality. He's not a great athlete. So and, and while Bam, actually had like, that. like Bam's a great athlete, but like he can't just like he and John Collins are good. They've always played well against each other. Um, yeah, they kind of like he can't just overpower John. And uh, like and because they're basically the same height now, and like Bam doesn't have this ridiculous wingspan. Like there's no real physical matchup advantage. That's why you can get away with playing John at the five. But that, that goes back to my earlier point where I was like, I want to see a Conwell Collins out there at the same time where now we're forcing, let's force 38-year-old P.J. Tucker guard Trey Young out, out on the floor, right? Like, I know he's a great, like, he's, he's a great defender in his own right, but, I mean, I, I like that matchup with Trey Young. I like, I like Trey Young on P.J. Tucker. So let's get J.C. out there who will cause – the heat to actually have to scramble because they can't just let John Collins do what he wants. He can finish over anybody on this team. They don't have exceptional length. Um, even, even if they did, he probably could still finish. Um, but because, because they're a smaller team, John has more, a bit more freedom than he has potentially has against like the Sixers or the Bucks. So like if John's back and he's healthy and like, he's good to go, like they got to use him. They got to use Oh him. yeah. They have to. That's, they, that's they, huge. They got to ride the Trey Young, John Collins pick a row, Brad. They got to ride that. To, they got if they're going to win this series, that's going to be the key, right there. And they got to get into it, and uh, that way John can slip if he needs to to beat switches, and he can punish stuff if they need to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, we don't know what his limit's going to be. We didn't even know in game one, and we'll see how much he's able to play. But if he's himself, that would certainly help things. Um, we'll take one more break, and we'll come back and talk about the uh, projection for the rest of the series here with Tower Jones. There are so many mix and wilds right now in the auto world, and it's basically impossible for a local chain store to have all of the parts that you possibly could want or need for your car or your truck. And even if they had them, do you actually want to deal with the person behind the counter that asks all the pointless questions? And honestly, they just want to sell you the brand that the warehouse happens to carry that's very easy for them and profitable for them. Instead of doing all that, rockauto.com is the best option for you at home or in your pocket, and access is 24-7, 365. Why spend more for the exact same auto parts for a chain store or dealership? You can order at rockauto.com in just mere moments, and rockauto.com is a family business serving customers for more than 20 years at this point. The prices are reliably low for each and every customer, and the ease is really right in front of you. And they have absolutely everything that you possibly need for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts and motor oil, tail lamps, and even carpet. RockAuto.com is the place to go right now to see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And once you get there, right locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about RockAuto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts, and everything else you could possibly need for your car or your truck. RockAuto.com. Tyler, uh, obviously down 1-0 as we record this. Game two in Miami, uh, the Hawks are going to be underdogs in that game, and then they come home. Um, this is a very stupid question, but I just it's just a way to talk about it. Uh, how bad do they need game two? Like, 
are they drawing dead if they lose game two? Is it, I guess the question I'll ask you. Do they have to win game two? Uh, no, uh, in large part because I don't know Capella's status, but also like as of now, right now, all we know about Capella is that he's out for game two, and they're not saying anything else about it, which I don't blame them for. But it's uh, pretty on brand for Nate. They, they, just, they just share nothing. Basically. Here's the thing with this Hawks team, and it's it's been it was pretty clear last year in the playoffs, and it, it was clear, you know, it. I think it was really noticeable if you noticed in the Cavs series when Trey Young figures it out on offense to get consistently good offense. There's no, there's no like going back for the other team. Like there's no adjustment to be made. So when Trey does figure it out, that might be game three. It might even be game four, but when he figures it out, then we got a diff- then the Hawks are in the series. But, um, yeah. If if Trey's gonna play like he did game one, no, they're they're getting swept and there's nothing. To talk I, about I certainly agree with that. If he's if he's as bad and he won't be, but if he's anything close to what he was in game one, they have they have no chance. And and the thing, man, I, this is crazy. I think I emphasized it a lot on the podcast on Sunday, but just one more time, Trey and Bogey combined to shoot one of twenty in game one, Tyler. One of 20 <laughs> it's impossibly bad like i'm sorry that's never happening again uh that's the one bright spot and of course the other side of that is that you know Duncan Robinson was eight of nine from three all that stuff so like i'm kind of with you i think if they lose game two everyone will write them off and i don't necessarily blame people for doing that but i do feel like if they show signs in game two then coming home like they can win to me it's less important that they win it's more important that trey young gets comfortable gets comfortable because once yep. he does then the series starts yeah, that's a good point. Because if he's not, I, I mean, we said it all year long, but like if the Hawks go as Trey goes in a lot of ways, and if he is bad, that was my concern in the play. And granted, it didn't necessarily bite them, but even we saw it in the first half of the Cleveland game, he, he was, wasn't he good. Was bad. And they were down, and bad. they were down by 15 points. So like the Hawks cannot overcome Trey struggling. And that's very simple, but it's also true. Like he has to be good or they cannot win this series. They can't even win games in this series. If I'll be surprised if they win a game in this series that Trey does not play well in. Does that make sense? Well, he can play, he can shoot. So there's a difference, right? He can shoot poorly and they still oh, yeah. win. And Agreed. he still played well. But play I poorly and shoot poorly are different. We yeah, got we got to we we have to find that designation where yes, Trey's not making his shots, but he's getting the guys into the offense, the Hawks are getting easy looks. Oh, Trey, Trey can dominate. You know this, but Trey can dominate a game while shooting 4 for 15. He he's exactly. capable of doing that. Uh, exactly. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing with <laughs> I, they need Trey to f- break break this team down. So, yeah, no, he because he creates everything else. I mean, if you have to account for him, if the Heat, honestly, Miami played great in Game One, uh, but I, I'll be interested to see what their counter is if if at all in this series their defense gets a little bit out of sorts because it just didn't happen at all in Game One, and they're vets, and that's that's the concern is that Miami is extremely well coached and they're veteran guys and they know how to do it and they're, they're also sort of scheme versatile. But we also have not seen them take a punch at all because game one, it was just a slow death march toward Miami. Um, the Hawks are going to have a run at some point in game two, and then we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm intrigued by that for sure, especially because like quietly, like guys like Bam and Tyler Hero were kind of not huge factors in game one. It was the supporting guys, PJ making all his shots, Tucker Rodson making all his shots. Um, and then we'll see. I, I, I assume that either Trey or Bogdanovich will have something going in game two. And, and- that goes back to my earlier point when I talked about how John Collins and Bam, like they've been a good, you know, they've had some good battles against each other where they play well against each other, but like there's there's not going to be one scale guy uh, playing overplaying the other. Um, and then you combine that with the Hawks, like the Hawks have a Kongu as well. 
So Kongu Collins versus Bam, like the Hawks can match up with that just fine and either draw dead or slightly win because they got one more extra guy. Yeah. Um, anything and, else that you're looking for? I, w- I want to ask you like, before I forget to do this, like anything that you would just be like, we talked about a little bit like with Hunter and uh, playing Collins more, but anything else that you think that they need to change that they haven't changed in terms of just like not, not just playing better, but like actually, you know, stuff that they can do um, adjustments, rotations, just play, play Collins more, or is it just, you know, what else would you want to see? Um, Herder running the offense a bit more. Yeah. Uh, with Trey with Trey on the floor, you mean? Yeah, with Trey on the floor, yeah. and then also like getting the ball to Collins early and often. I really think Brad, if they're gonna win this series, like I know I, I know I'm the number one Collins fan in the world. I get it. You are. That's people okay. think people think like he's not a winning player for some reason because they they've never watched him play basketball game um, <laughs> until they they watch one go. game where you know I, I I just don't get it. But like they're gonna need him on offense, and they're gonna need. They're going to need the guy who averaged 20 and 10 his, what, second year in the league? Like, yeah. they're going to need that guy back because Capella's out. At the same time, the Heat do not have big – the Heat do not play big. Their rim protection isn't elite. It's not some elite thing. So, if they can get John Collins going, and it it doesn't have to just be Trey Young, John Collins pick and roll. If you ever heard of John Collins pick and roll, Bob Donovan's Collins pick and roll, uh, they just got to get him the ball going downhill and trust that he's going to make the right decision. Because I believe that that's going to be their key in forcing the Heat to change what they want to do because they, they're they not going to want to live with Tyler Hero being the low man on John Collins. Like, that's no. just not going to work. That won't work. I mean, you're, it's not going to work with that. P.J. Tucker. It's not it, The only guy who can test, who can compete with John Collins at the rim is Bam Adebayo on the Miami Heat. Yeah. Like, I don't even think Dwayne Debman. I mean, I love Dwayne. Love him. Dwayne, Dwayne doesn't have it. Uh, the juice. Uh, well, and he won't play. I mean, the thing is, they, they're they're going to treat him like the guy they have to play when Bam sits, basically. Like, he's not going to play that much in this series. I, I do wonder what the Hawks will do when Bam's off the floor uh, the rest of the series. But that's my, uh, I mean, I mean, but that that goes to my point. Like, when they've beaten the Heat, it's with Bam, could be, it's because the Heat love to switch Bam out of our, out onto the perimeter. He's good that at that. Opens up that, but that opens up possibilities for Collins and Capella. Yep. to dominate on the inside. So it's the key is the, when that happens, they have to get the ball to their bigs who know how to finish against against you know anybody in the league, especially teams without rim protection. But they have to get them the ball. Like they cannot waste time letting the Heat reconfigure their defense in a way that that won't be so damaging. Like they got to get right. these guys the ball going downhill. They got to go quickly too. Like it's just, it's just uh, bringing it full circle from earlier they got to make quick decisions. You know, Nate talked about this after the game and I'm not always, uh, I don't think Nate's the greatest you know, adjustment tactician kind of guy on offense. He's not the most creative coach, but he did say, and I agree with this, they need to be able to go side to side more, like getting them on the move, getting Miami moving is going to be big in this series. Getting them moving to open up those passing lanes, but they got to be quicker. Like they cannot hold the basketball jab step. Let me survey the team like I'm LeBron James. I mean, granted, that's what Trey Young does. That's his game. I get it, but he's got to be quick. Like he's got to be. Yep. He's got to go quicker. Um, they all do. Everybody has to go I mean, they just all do. They all have to be like, okay, if they're gonna switch everything, we have to make them work for it. Like we can't just we can't just ISO at the top of the key and just hope something happens. We yep. gotta make them work for it. You know, tire yep. them out. If they <laughs> if they're gonna. It's an exhausting style of basketball. If they're going to play this way, 
make them work for it. Well, right, and that's the the one concern is that this is the first round, so maybe they won't they maybe they won't wear down because they're it's the so I have I have some concerns about Miami long term because like playing this style for three rounds, four rounds is like almost impossible to do, but in one round maybe they can. I don't know. Um, it would be helpful if Click Capella was uh, was healthy. Uh, I guess start praying for Click Capella's knee at some point, but um, yeah. Other than that, uh, I, I think that Akong will, will be better. I wonder if he just needed to get uh, a game out of the way. He's still so young, and I, I think he's awesome, and I, I know you do too. But he's going to have to uh, be better. Is obviously he's not alone. Most guys are going to be better better than they were in game one. But he was kind of a non-factor, but, and he, he can't. Yeah, and Brad, this goes back to my issue with this Hawks team. He doesn't have a role. His role is to be Clint Capella, but yeah. like he's not. Clint Capella's size, like he has a different. Well, and game. they're just they're just different players. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's the thing. You always, you always compare these guys to each other for obvious reasons, but like they are very, very different players. Like, and Akon was a different player than Collins. Like he, he's a, he's a guy. Like I'm like, let my man bring the ball up the floor and initiate the offense. Like do, but they they, the Hawks have never tried anything else other than Trey Young's show. I get it, you know. I do think uh, to the, this is right. more of a long-term point, but with a, with a Kong Wu, like if he becomes the guy, and we'll talk about this in the offseason, we need to. But if he becomes the guy and they move on for Capella at some point or whatever, they need to actually tailor what they do to him. Like for him to be the guy that he can be, he can't just be playing the Capella role. Like he's the stuff that he can do really well. They need to like, actually accentuate. Like obviously the Bam comparison has been made to death, and you can't really just t- say he's gonna be Bam. But like, watch what Miami does with Bam, and that's what you kind of have to do with a guy like Akongu to maximize him because he's not a great rebounder. He's not but a Akongu has great touch. Like he has yes. a great floater game. Absolutely, Let's use that. But you have to throw him the ball and be like, "Hey, Akongu, we want you to be a scorer, especially if Bam Adebayo is gonna switch off you." It's just really Especially. tough because, like, in the middle – I mean, not that anybody could have foreseen this, but losing Capella when they did, having one day to prepare for this series without Capella, that just changes so much. I, I know you know that, but, like, Capella, you know, has been so important to them. Not even not, – not, obviously, defense is, like, speaks for itself, but even offensively. He does things on offense that other guys don't do on this team. And to suddenly not have him with only one day to prep and a 20-year-old backup center that now has to play 35 minutes a game, like, it's just a tough ask, man. Like, it's a it's a big, big loss. Like, obviously, it's not as big as Trey. But, I mean, if you if you told me three days ago, other than Trey, if, who, can, who can the Hawks afford to not have? Uh, like, Capella's the guy I would have said they cannot afford to not have. And he's now out for a little bit of time. So, it's, it's brutal. But that goes to my point. Like, they got it. Like, they can't treat him like Capella where you only want no. Capella finishing at the rim. Give him the let him touch the basketball, get a feel for the game, so he can figure out where he can get his offense from. Because they're going to need his scoring. It's again, if the Heat are going to switch, they got to punish it. They just have to, but it can't be. We got to wait for the perfect optimal post up passing angle. It's got to be. We they make the switch. We get him the ball before they set their defense. They got to go. Fast. We got to go. Like yep. they they just got to got that mindset. Like hey, slip the screen, catch the ball, make the decision. Agreed. And, and uh, like a Congo of Collins have shown, you know, and limit it's limited because the Hawks don't do this. <laughs> right. That when you get them in the short roll, they're good at making the right play. Oh, Colin, that, that's the, been the biggest development of Collins game in the last year, year and a half has been his short roll passing and the way that he's more comfortable doing that than he was before. And that's that's been huge for him. And obviously using that in the series will be big now that he's more comfortable and back and all that stuff. Um, well, I, I hope this is a long series. For the Hawks' sake, because I don't think they're going to win the next four games in a row. So if it's a long series, it's probably good for the Hawks. What should say? Um, 
if that happens again, I'm sure we'll talk. And if they lose this round, we'll talk about the offseason stuff. I don't, I don't want you to just eject on the Hawks. So let me, well, let me I can't now. The, you know, well, they the if playoffs, they lose, if they get swept, then, <laughs> then you're back out for a while. Uh, no, I we'll, we'll see. Obviously, you and I have some discussions to have about uh, the long-term small forward, uh, the draft, free agency, trades, all that stuff that we'll save for another Travis day. Travis Travis Schlank, uh, Nick McMillan, all that stuff. Big pictures topics that we'll save. But I, I do appreciate you jumping on on short notice on this Monday uh, afternoon and evening. So thank you for coming on, my friend. Anything to plug? Any, any anime that you want to get out there? Because I know that's your other Not passion. anime. Not anime. I know people who have been following me on Twitter know. I'm, you're uh, sharing lots of stuff that I have no idea what you're talking about on Twitter, but I, I've seen it. Yeah, I'm man. I'm, I'm reading. <sighs> Let me make sure I got the name right. Here we go. Because, you know. It's the, it's the best part of the show, usually at the end at the end here, when you, when you share wrecks of, of things. Yeah, the Stormlight Archives, uh, a high fantasy series that I've been, is taking over my life, Brad. It's all <laughs> I've read for like the week, past week or so. Like since I, I got the first book, I can't stop reading it. Like this podcast is taking time out of my day from reading this series. And oh, I've also, and, I, and, and then... Also, I've been playing Elden Ring, but I put Elden Ring on hold because I was like, I was playing Elden Ring and Elden Ring's like possibly one of the greatest games of all time, video games of all time. I had to put that game on hold because I was like, man, the playoffs I am in the, I'm in the mood for some fa- high fantasy because I haven't read a high fantasy uh, series since like uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, which is Game of Thrones for you plebeians, if you don't like, know. Like me. Uh, so, so I'm actually not watching anime or manga. I'm reading a book, Brad. Wow. But it's basically it's basically the same. Like honestly, like, I, even, I I believe you. I defer to you on this uh, stuff. That's for sure. Uh, uh, it's, and listen, ve- it's a very shonen manga esque uh, series, which is why I'm enjoying it so much. So, I just watch basketball because there's like five games a day right now. I guess there's three tonight as we're recording this on Monday. There were four yesterday. Hey, four on Saturday. I'll say this: if if the Hawks win. I'm back at watching basketball again. But, like, when the Hawks lost, I immediately turned all basketball off. There's no – like, my, my I'm, I'm at my parents' house uh, for a bit of a mini vacation. Like, he wanted to talk some basketball. I'm like, nope, nope. No basketball that's just, talk. That's just the end. Listen, basketball didn't and that, that, in a nutshell, is why my listenership goes down. Anytime the Hawks lose, people don't listen to the show, which I understand. I'm not blaming anybody for doing that. It's just uh, always the case without fail. Whenever they lose, people listen less. It's just that's just what it is. People want to eject. I get it. Oh, I'm always one, here. one more thing. One more thing. I know you want to get out of here, but like, no, you're good. I'm enjoying. I I think the Grizzlies Timberwolves series is going to be super fun in large part because neither team appears to understand what that to do. you uh, <laughs> have to play proper defense for a full 48 minutes. Like they just don't care. Oh, the wolves! Uh, the wolves never care. To be fair, the wolves just never ever care. They always gamble and do crazy stuff, and it works sometimes. Brett. Brad, I, I watched the Grizzlies multiple times, like go up, you know, get an impressive dunk, and then the, everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs, and I'm like, guys, your Grizzlies, the ball, the not my Grizzlies. I'm going for the Wolves, man. You know, you know me and you know me and Edwards. We your, lo- your local team, the Memphis Grizzlies, though. I'm just saying. Uh, I know, I, you, you do love Anthony Edwards, though. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You, you saw you saw how he put he put uh, Jaw in handcuffs. I was, I'll say this. I, I was not always the highest Anthony Edwards. He was really, really good on defense in game one. Like, I was impressed by his defensive performance in game one. And obviously, offensively, he's been awesome the last two games, too. But regardless, uh, my, my, my point is with, with that series, is like the emotional maturity 
from oh, these teams chaos. is kind of not there. Yep. So that's why it's super entertaining, and I think it's probably going to be the best series in large part because these teams get emotionally drunk so quickly over nothing. Like Shots to Nate McMillan for emotionally drunk. Shots to Nate. Uh, I mean, but yes, I no, I'm with you 100. That's a fun series. That's going to be. Uh, I uh, I can see your your devoted your your, uh, your devotion split between your hometown Memphis Grizzlies and Anthony Edwards. So. I'm just giving you grief. Uh, Tyler, thank you for joining me, my friend. I, I do appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Uh, enjoy your mini vacation. Shouts to your, shouts to your folks, and uh, we'll always be here. All right. Thanks, Brett. As everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you after game two on Tuesday.